and uh, we'll just keep going and see what happens, I guess. That, well, that's a bummer. Yeah. All right, well, so back to uh, information design. Here's a sending you a blog of a teacher, maybe former teacher, I don't know. Right. Who does a lot of multimedia in the classroom. So I found out about him a while back and follow his stuff. And a little series he has going is poor graphic design or graph mm-hmm. design, I should say. Right. Um, so this is from Bill Gates' talk. And, you know, comparing numbers, whether it's pie charts, um, bar graphs, or even uh, he had one of, it wasn't his class, but some class saw the Fox Evening News where they had, um, I think it was a bar graph comparison, but the axes were wrong. Right. And so you had like from, say, 20 to 40, and then from 40 to 60. With those it became logarithmic. <laughs> yeah, and so the the scale was off. Was no right. access to show. I think what those numbers were, but they they had the individual points. Anyway, yeah. so this teacher wrote into Fox and said, you know, this is wrong. My math class worked out what it should look like. Will you please change it? And they did. On the next awesome. uh, uh, the next evening, they had correct spacing on their scales. And here's a great other example, and I've I joined in on the discussion here on this blog and went through it. Yeah, I saw that. Did the math on uh, what these spheres should look like. and So, yeah, I think that would be something great to talk about. One of the the, the tricks, and I think uh, Tufty mentions this in the book, and, and one of the books, and I, I don't know what his his book on um, on PowerPoint is like, but these two are very academic. They're not light reading. Um, maybe light reading for the nerds said, and maybe I'm in that group, but cause I enjoyed those <laughs> books, but <laughs> I mean, I was even walking down the street. I, I, I got to walk a half mile from union station to my office building. And I was walking down the street reading these things, but it's one of the, the, the tricky things you have with that type of diagram. We've got one circle representing a certain quantity and another circle representing another quantity is that, the difference in scale can be deceiving. Mm-hmm. Um, if you take two circles that have that are one one circle has one half the diameter of the other, um, its area. Um, remember my my math here. Gosh, it's been a while. Pi times. Pi r squared is the area. Right. Okay. So it's not going to. All right. So it's not going to um, really be twice as big as the other. Okay. That's what some people may try to do. But if you go where with two circles, one has twice the area of the other. Visually, it the one that is half the size won't necessarily look half the size so it it's it's a really tricky thing to to do when you're trying to um compare to two things mm-hmm. of that shape um 
that's that's why probably you know it's you got to ask yourself what it is that you're trying to get across and 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 go from there to decide okay which is the correct medium i mean one of the things i'm thinking about on the way in was i remember this one debate online about pie charts you've got some people out there who say pie charts are evil don't use pie charts at all um probably because they're so abused and misused left and right there is a place for them but you've got to understand what a pie chart is meant to convey exactly and i think that is some uh something that people don't really understand is when to use pie charts versus when to use bar versus when to use a line right column and they're all different right one of the commenters on this blog post they brought up this idea you know this the circle if it's twice the diameter may not look like twice the area well and it isn't really um right so if you see a circle what do you think of first is it the area or do you think of the diameter or do you maybe think of a spherical volume so some people did the math and said hey if if what they're showing is actually a sphere and we use what is it four pi cubed or something or other to get the volume mm-hmm. of the of the sphere then the ratios are actually closer and then he says, what about lines for linear comparisons, rectangles for area, and shoeboxes for volumetric comparisons? Um, and I thought that was a great point. There's just... And another thing that... The data, or the, the visual, changes right. how you interpret that data. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's it's one of the things I try to get across in, in our office when they they... I remember seeing this one pie chart they had um all this this and all the these data points and i asked them does this all are when if i add all this up in this particular case it didn't add up to 100 and it was and that's because there were some data points left out it wasn't everything in the set and i said well this isn't 100 percent of the results why are we using a pie chart if right. we're not representing other, meaning the the missing data? And it, it took them a little while to understand that you know, when you're using a pie chart, you're representing, or what you're trying to get across is the relationship of that of a data point or several data points, um, and the whole as a percentage. Um, if you're trying to get across anything other than that, you probably want to look something at something other than a pie chart. Yeah, it's a great point. Man, there there definitely is a lot we can talk about now. Huh? Yeah. So I mean, that's just that's just one of those things that I think you know, just like looking at the ans- the answers that that you were sent in that email. Um, now, Grant, I'm not sure what what he teaches. Um, is in the contemporary studies program. Yeah. He, um, uh, I can't find the before and after slides that he sent me, so I can't really right. remember, but. But, um, you know, it's, it's things like that, that some of them are even cross-disciplinary. Um, like, you know, in my field, that there's, they often have flow charts that they put up on slides. They've got mm-hmm. diagrams that show, infrastructure or processes and what they do is they just they throw it all in there and they throw it all up at once 
and um, another great great book that has nothing to do with PowerPoint the information design handbook who's this one by uh, Jen and Ken Visaki O'Grady okay um, there is I'd have to find it but there's there's a, a great paragraph in here where they talk about di complex diagrams or complicated diagrams that are presented all at once and right studies like, have shown that people people's brains just shut down they, like they, the spaghetti brains. one that the army had a while back yeah and they, they just shut down and then they just wait until you know that diagram is gone and then then maybe they come back um but yeah, I, I see it. My I I never thought about it myself until I caught myself doing that. Someone put up this great big complicated diagram, and I just started checking the email. It's just it was just too much. I could not soak it all in and listen to them at the same time. So they just lost me, and I and it really dawned on me. If I do the same, I just killed the entire presentation because half those people I probably will not get back. So then the question is, how do you present such complicated information? Now, I've looked like at that one from the... Was it the Army? Um, or... I can't remember. What I can't remember exactly. The military it was, or even if it was just... Uh, it's government. They're all... Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, it was incredibly complicated. And... Mm -hmm. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if there were more than a thousand data points on that slide and all linked with different lines. How do you put that information up there? Or do you is that the right um the right way to show that information? Well, in in that this type of medium it's it's not the place for great detail. It's you really typically only have at least in my experience, about 10 to 20 minutes, half an hour if you're lucky. If you've got, if you're going to be delivering for an hour, God help your audience. And um, you're talking about attention spans. Yes, yeah. that absolutely. Um, because really, you only got them 10 minutes at a time. That's there you go. That's what you said. So really, keep it high level. Leave the details for the handouts. And if you're introducing a process flow, uh, which would be a great example of one where you've got all those arrows all over the place, and keep it high level, but introduce each step one at a time. And I found just doing that has really kept the attention focused on the presentation, which is what I'm talking about you know, up in front of all these people and they're not sitting there looking at the printouts if they God forbid, actually got hold of this material before the meeting um, that they are actually listening mm -hmm. and they seem to the retention just seems to um, be just off the charts when you do it a piece at a time right that'd be a great uh, a great idea to pair with slide transitions 
and in I think it was in slideology the idea of making multiple slides the whole canvas usually using push transitions to pan across that canvas uh, and I know you're not too convinced of it, but I think it's a great time to use Prezi as well. Mm -hmm. You can kind of pan out and then zoom back in and show the different levels of complexity. I, I, I'm not against Prezi by any stretch of the imagination. I, 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 in my, just from where I've been sitting, I, I see it sort of like, I don't know, like, you know, a weapon of mass destruction. <laughs> it can be it can be used to great effect. Uh-huh. Um, but you've got to be careful how you deploy it. Sure. Or it can blow back in your face. And I think for uh those of us who 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 know what it is that we we need to do uh when designing and delivering presentations, I think we've we've got a lot of the background knowledge to hopefully use it well and use it appropriately. Uh, what scares me are, are all the people who skip the fundamentals and see, hey, this great tool, let's use it. And it's going back to the, the days of 15 uh, different slide transitions and effects. And it just, again, do you give someone who's not trained in handguns the, the uh, the most powerful one in the in the store or do you train them first mm -hmm. a great example of using prezi kind of on the edge the the recent ted talk by the guy that founded khan academy mm -hmm. um, he actually used it quite well i thought um, but it could have been awful if he actually went into the detail because what he did was he actually had all of his uh, Khan Academy video tutorials on the Prezi document. And mm -hmm. so what was so effective is when he zoomed out, you saw just these lines and lines of videos. Now, if he were to go in and play any of those, really, that would right. totally destroy it. But to be able to back up and see how many there were was pretty effective. Well, yeah, the effects that you get with that, I think, can be very effective in, in helping to show, or the, you know, the forest for the trees. Mm -hmm. uh, so many times, especially in the technical arena, I see this all the time. People are so focused on the details, they lose sight of the big picture. And what I try to do with my presentations is try to get them to understand first and foremost the big picture. Great. I'll come. I'll cover some details the necessary details. But if there's anything that I'm willing uh, for them to forget or um, at the end of the day, it's the details. I want them to get the big picture. Um, so if you've got a visual tool that helps detail-oriented people get the big picture using you know the effects like you described in Prezi, I think it can be immensely powerful very effective i agree i think the probably the only time you should use prezi is to show the relationship between the big picture and some detail but it's not a time to really go into the detail right 
And that's that's definitely a place for the the handouts. And you know, one of the the, the questions that I, I had tapped into my iPad uh, this afternoon on the way or this evening on the way home. This is something that I definitely, you know, no matter who we have come on for uh, interviews, I, I'm really interested in how people address this. But there's always people out there in the audience, the class, the, the people in the meeting, whatever. They want a handout. They want something to take home with them or take back to their office with them. And that's a reference material. Unfortunately, right. people that run the meetings that I end up presenting in, um, they, they say, well, our slides are a record. Well, no, not really. They're not, they're actually making things worse. So what I find curious is, is how people tackle that problem. I've got my own method, um, but definitely curious of how other people do it. Now, how do you do it? I wrote a post a while back about first creating a handout, but not thinking of it as a handout. Mm -hmm. um, and I use the I use an example of a final paper I had to write when I was in college, and I wrote the paper first, mm -hmm. okay. organized it in a few different paragraphs because we were, you know, this wasn't fifth grade, but we were supposed to just keep three main points, sure. and uh, I wrote it out like that, and then I said, okay. Now I'm going to create the presentation. I use the same images. I tried to use the same uh, design. Right. And the same main points. And then the essay was kind of the handout. And I think teachers can do the same thing or anybody that's presenting. That's, that's definitely a, a, um, uh, a very strong approach. I take it sort of the opposite way where I, I develop the story. I develop the presentation based on that story and design the slides, start practicing. And I try to devote actually a half, I mean, I know a lot of teachers don't have this kind of time, um, but I actually devote a half a day. And that's usually when I telework because then I can screw up and mess things up and nobody's hearing this. And as part of the practice, in the middle of the practice session, I sit down and I type it all out into a narrative. And it just, maybe it's my writing style, but I, I tend to write with a conversational uh, writing style. And I'm able to go through the presentation, maybe not word for word, because the spoken word and the written word have have to be different. Um, but it ends up being it ends up reinforcing the practice that I'm doing, and I get that handout that is in a proper format, you know, something that is readable. Right. Uh, so I may practice two or three times, write out my handout, and then practice another two or you know one or two times and I'm usually good to go. So it sounds like um, in, in both ways you've got the content first. So I think in, in both cases, what to avoid is to create the slides to start with the slides. 
sounds like you've got kind of the the story, the content. You build the slides right. to that, and then the handout afterwards. Uh, yeah, I, I sort of. Yeah. I had the ahead. content, and I wrote the document, and then built the slides afterwards. Yeah, I sort of took the the methodology from from Gar and Nancy pretty uh, pretty strictly in in the sense that I actually do do a a brainstorming session. I I get out that whiteboard and I just fill it up. See ya. And then I draw the relationships between the the various concepts and ideas. And then at that point at that point I order things. Then I just on with pen and paper, pencil and paper, draft out the concepts for the slides, then I get into the, the slideware. Mm -hmm. And invariably I end up in the middle of my practice session going back and moving things around, maybe adding things, maybe and most often taking things away. Um, because as the story that is formed in my head actually comes out um, in the spoken words, some things, sometimes it just doesn't make sense. Um, what seemed like a logical progression may not seem logical, and sometimes I've taken entire sections and swapped them around. Mm -hmm. um, and then I get that worked out before I start writing out this, which is often maybe a two or three page handout. That, yeah. that, that covers the big picture and the details. Yeah, I can see how. I wonder if the the type of information maybe affects that. I I definitely think so. Because, um, like for example, with the the technical presentations that I, I give, we've got a, a mixed bag of people. We've got people in the uh, in the meeting. Half of them are there just because they've got managerial skills and they're managing IT shops and they barely know how to turn the computer on. And the other half of the people are pretty much the exact opposite. They're there where they are because of their technical skills. So in the presentation, I've got to cater to the, the lowest common denominator. And, and that is, you know, the non-technical people cover some of the technical issues, but at a high level, the big picture and for those who want more here's this two or three page handout that i'm emailing out after the meeting mm -hmm. so they're not sitting there reading it while i'm trying to uh, uh present because who knows you know you see i'm sure you see this is when when delivering a presentation there's almost always a dialogue questions feedback and answers. And that sort of stuff is not going to be captured in, in, a, in a handout, whether you start right at the beginning or the end. And um, that's the sort of information that, that you want everybody in the audience to, um, to not only hear, but also capture. Um, because it's that information that, that you may not have thought of when, when crafting the presentation. Right. Yeah, last week I gave a uh, presentation here at work. I'm just going to see if I could mm -hmm. turn you enough. And we did the post-it note method. Ah, uh, the storyboard. And I've still got that up there. And I was I was actually surprised at how effective it was. And yeah, yeah. I did that because I was originally presenting together with my boss about going mm -hmm. to WPPI. And uh, 
it was so much better than creating slides. And even so, I did have to change not only the order, but the things that I talked about. Um, right. Anyway, yeah, great, great ideas. Yeah, but that's definitely like you just see here. There's, there's, there's at least two different approaches, um, and I, I'm really interested in hearing, you know, even teachers, how do they approach this this issue? Do they approach it at all? Um, I don't. I think my wife she did not craft handouts um, because really what she was trying to do was was get the basic information across. There was other reading material that the that the students had, uh, worksheets, um, projects, labs that they were that they would do. But you know, she she definitely and this is something she she didn't quite realize until I worked with her to uh, redo some slides of hers that um, with the, the old style that they taught in that that Intel Teach of the Future they weren't paying attention to her. Mm. Slide came up. They wrote everything that was on the slide down on their, their notebook because they can't miss any of that. Well, reduce the, the, the junk on the screen and they'll spend less time writing and more time listening. Right. And they did. Now, in, in my experience in university, especially in my uh, science classes, the way that most of the teachers started to give handouts was pretty astonishing to me. And the trend, especially in anatomy, because it was a department mm -hmm. course, all the teachers had to teach the same. The slides were prepared ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And they had tons of bullet points on all of them, lots of information, very dense. Uh, what they would do at the beginning of the semester is print out in handout form from PowerPoints, and they had three slides with the notes. Um, they'd print out all of the slides from all of the lectures, bind it, and the students would buy that as their, almost as their textbook. Um, but that wasn't it. They had to go one step further, and before they printed it, they would delete three to four words per slide that the students during class were basically playing word search. Uh, they And so, yeah, they were paying attention in a way to what the student, the teacher was saying so that they could find out what is this word that is missing on my slide so that I can fill it in. Now, other than being just kind of ridiculous and, and childish, uh, mm -hmm. the problem with it cognitively is the, maybe the students are paying attention to the teacher, but they're not really paying attention to what he is saying. Right. They're they're simply listening for words, pairing it with those blank spaces, and then filling it in. And, and probably the only thing that's being stored in their in in their brains is are those individual words. Yeah, and the overall problem is that the tests were written to that. And so most of the students did quite well in the class, but I would venture to bet that they did not understand the content like they really should. Um, right. And, you know, so I was the one that probably did not as well as the average, uh, and yet I was reading through my textbook and trying to understand 
these different things. But it was so common that in so many of my classes, that's what they did because it was easy for the teachers to do it. Um, and the students loved it, although I don't think they understood exactly what was happening. Um, and I, th you know, I think that there are people out there, and I've read many blog posts where they insist that you should give a handout. Now they understand that you may not mm -hmm. want to print out your slides and give them exactly what you're going to say uh, right. because of this attention issue. But their arguments are, well, venture capitalists want something right, you know, upfront so they can take notes on it or you know, there's a bunch of reasons that they may give, uh, but their opinion is that, yeah, you give a handout and you give it ahead of time. And it'd be really interesting to hear those reasons and, and to compare right. them and to see maybe they make sense in certain situations. Yeah, maybe if you are giving a, a short uh, presentation and they need to jot down ideas that pair directly with your slides. Maybe I can see giving uh, some handouts to that. Uh, but I think, I agree with what you said, that in general, when we're giving a presentation, we should be talking about the big picture and allow the audience member to take notes on the details. And if they want more information, we provide that afterwards in a handout form. Right. Because one of the key uh, principles of memory retention is that we only remember what we care about. And if we if we just bombard them with uh, a deluge of information and they don't care about it, they're not going to remember any of it. Uh, right. But we remember what we want to know. And so when we ask for it and our minds are, are primed for it, then we remember it a lot more. And that's where the handout comes in. If they want to read it, they do. And they'll remember it more than if we gave it all to them in the beginning. And one of the principles I've I've read in, in various public speaking books um, is is that you want to you don't want to give them everything in your talk. Exactly. Where there's nothing left for them to be curious about. Uh, you want to leave them hungry for a little bit more. And if if you were to just give them uh, the handout ahead of time with everything, and they can read it all, they've basically got no reason to listen to you. So if you do go above and beyond what's on the the handout, they're not listening. They're dueling. They're chatting. They're texting now. I, mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I, I feel maybe I'm lucky that uh, I got out. Of, I graduated college before. PowerPoint became anywhere near the force that it uh, is now. It was all overheads at that time, but but still, um, I, I I just can't imagine. I, well, I can sort of imagine because I sit through it weekly. Well, let I me work, tell you what it's I like. I just cannot imagine like, what the I can tell you students exactly are going through nowadays. What it is like uh, if the slides were not printed out ahead of time in a lecture note book. Uh, oftentimes what they would do is they would post their PowerPoint onto Blackboard, which is the learning management system that we used, um, which I could go on and on about how I hate it. Uh, but it's what we use. And I would sit in other science classes behind students who opened up their laptop 
and opened up that very PowerPoint that the teacher had up in front of the class. And sometimes would type notes into the notes section of PowerPoint, but most often I would look down and there were three or four slides ahead of where the teacher was. Mm -hmm. And it does bring up the question, if you give me the information ahead of time, why am I coming to class? Why am I spending an hour listening to you when I can read through the very things that are you, you are telling me? Because most teachers just read off of their PowerPoint slides. Right. Uh, why don't I simply do this on my own time and, uh, you know, take a nap because I was up too late partying last night? <laughs> one of um, that, that one work group that I'm, uh, presenting to all too often the person who runs it insists on getting the handouts ahead of time and for her that usually means the slides themselves sorry i'm giving you double documents on this one and the slides themselves and she get hands that out emails that out to everybody before you present before i present days before i present mm. now fortunately a lot of the, the presentations i deliver there is that practice that I'm doing in between that point and the time of the presentation. And as I mentioned earlier, whenever I'm practicing, I realize this, I'm always making changes. And so there are usually updated slides that I'll send her after the meeting, along with an updated handout after the meeting. Um, but this last one, it was a big deal. And uh, put a lot of time into it, and I thought, you know what, if there weren't any changes, I, what I was going to do is I was going to get up in front of the whole meeting and give them an opportunity to um, leave the meeting about 20 minutes early and ask them how many people have read the handout. If all or almost all of them raise their hands, I'd just go right into the Q&A. Hmm. Um, because they've read the material. Uh, I was this particular handout. The narrative was at least as thorough as the presentation itself. So, if you had read the handout, there was nothing left for the imagination. Right. In terms of, I mean, they would have gotten not gotten anything out of the, the presentation itself. So, um, if they've all read it, the skidden's Q and A, as far as I'm concerned. You know what you just described is very similar to what the Khan Academy is doing. And they've actually partnered with a school district in, um, I think it's Los Altos, California. And mm -hmm. the students go home and for homework, they watch these, you know, 10 to 15 minute lectures on a topic, whether it's algebra or calculus or economics. And so they watch the lecture at home. Then they come back to the classroom the next day and they work on problems on that mm -hmm. topic and so what they've done is kind of inverted uh the way that school is done and that's kind of what you're talking about rather than coming and giving a presentation and sitting through it and listening to this talking head up there uh you can read through the presentation and then come back afterwards and uh ask questions and talk about it um, get more info if you want it or clarify what you didn't understand. And I think that's a great way to do it. That sounds like a, a much better use of time. Absolutely. Personally. And they're seeing a, a great improvement in uh, 
the students not only attention span because they're at home when they watch the lectures uh but but they're able to uh get one-on-one -on -one help which of course i think everyone knows is the best way to learn uh, right they're able to tutor each other because certain students excel on one area um while they may struggle in another and so they're able to tutor each other um you know and then they can spend more time doing problems because they're not slowed down by being a, a part of a class that has to go at the slowest pace or even go into greater depth if everybody hmm? is, is up to speed yeah so great ideas I, I think there's a lot of them out there that, um that we haven't even scratched <laughs> definitely we not. haven't even scratched the surface tonight so yeah, i think we've, we've anyway. gone over an hour um right now this this uh second recording is at 37 minutes and i'm i'm looking in the finder and the file looks to only be about well it's coming up to 500 megabytes now so i don't know what happened that first time yeah i'm a bit curious now i was playing around before i got on with you and in recording something i don't know if it kind of kept that in there i don't know uh right. but it looks like we've gone i'm going to stop it now uh it Me just too. so happens that tonight is not a, a weights night so I, i'm you don't I'm do it every night no i i i, I gotta get cardio in there oh, okay so, so you do cardio and then weights and yeah i try to every safe. other day uh i just don't have i mean with my long commute i i've got to make certain choices yeah and sacrifices I, you know, in order I think to get that's it. great let's plan on doing it on the weekends um right. i'd have to come into the office but i like i said i live very close and i th mm -hmm. i think i can do that even though we have you know security stuff going on i have the codes and i i just don't know how to lock up but i'll look into that but i don't mind coming into the office and, and doing an episode uh okay. what time during the weekend do you think would be best um how does this time work so like a Saturday evening, right? About this time. Or would sometime during the day work better? For I mean, I can be flexible. I, you know, obviously, you know, I'm sure you you've got uses for your weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't we try maybe else. just a bit earlier? So let's say uh, five o'clock for me, seven for you. That works. Saturday, and that, that way, works. if I do want to go out. On a Saturday night, which is ruin our weekend, right? Um, yeah, then I can still do that. So that sounds great. Uh, do you want to go ahead and do it this Saturday? Sure, why not? How we didn't get this? I think there's a lot of stuff in here that if I went back, uh, I could mm -hmm. edit and and use, and maybe we'll just splice that into a future episode. I don't know how we want to do that. I'll think about it. Right. But yeah. I want to think about. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So we might want to think about some sort of an intro, not just mm -hmm. the music, but also um, intro to the show that, uh, you know, the the personalities. And one thing I do I do like about what they do on the on the various Twitch shows is at the end, um, you know, you mention the website. Okay. If you're gonna, you know, I know you're gonna be put on. Um, brain size but if if they're getting it off of itunes right 
might want to mention the website as well and how they could uh, find each of us on Twitter, for example. Yep. And I would, I think it'd be awesome to do a pick of the week uh, type of thing, whether it's uh, software or presenter remotes or books. Um, yeah, that, that plays perfectly into the, the one question I had, because uh, I wasn't sure if, if, if we were actually ha going to have this person on or, or what. So um, what was uh, it basically, um, well, it was about killer feature, but I mean, you know, what, what, what are the, the, the tools that the people are using out there that, uh, in addition to just PowerPoint, or are they just using, I mean, I'm sure somebody's got this one thing that they use or this one website that they use that um, just makes their life easier. Yeah. Yeah, I think that'd be great. I, th I think uh, you know, having even a talk about. I mean, there's Prezi, but there's also Slide Rocket. There's mm -hmm. uh, what is that like 250 something slides? By and the there's all all sorts of little you know oh, software packages too. Yeah. And it, I mean, there aren't even the presentation software themselves, like um, Viewfinder. Oh, I love Viewfinder. Oh my gosh, I, that's or, or the first even, place yeah. I go. What's the website that does basically the same thing? Well, it's pulling it's pulling the photos from Flickr, but I think I know what you're talking about. Um, I haven't been there in a while. Honestly, Comstock, but that's a whole nother stock site. But it's yeah, something... it's the website that, that pulls the most interesting stuff from Flickr, uh, and you could even do color-based searches. Wow, I can't remember, but I can find that because I know other people that. Um, talk about it a lot and swear by it uh yeah right. i love what i love about viewfinder and you know here we go again just talking about stuff that we should probably <laughs> say for a show what i love right. about viewfinder uh is that you can easily search creative commons uh but also pull it straight into keynote and right. it will grab the attribution for you and you can just copy and paste it on the slide, in the notes, or however you do it. There's right. something we should talk about. Absolutely. How do you... And that's something I can... I think who was... I can't remember who had that as a pick of the week in Mac Break Week. I can't remember if it was Alex Lindsay or if it was Scott Bourne. It, was one, it may have been Alex. Was it Viewfinder or something else? Finder. Okay. Because that, that's how I found out about it, actually, was Mac Break Weekly. It was a pick of the week, and I was almost home, and... I made note of that in my phone, Viewfinder. Mm -hmm. But that's now, uh, Creative Commons is a whole other subject to get into. Absolutely. Of images, how do you, how do you attribute it? Do you have to put it on the slide? Can you, I tend to just put it down in the notes, and to keep record of where I get it from? But you know, legally, does it have to be visible? I don't know. Right. And it could be, and that if we're going to have um, a show based on that, it would be, I think, really good if we could um, get a guest who, um, where this is sort of their copyright, sort of their area of expertise. Maybe even see if there's somebody within the Creative Commons organization. Mm, that'd be awesome. That'd be one to talk about that. So that, yeah, that would be fabulous. Uh, yeah, as you saw in my notes. Uh, we get teachers on, we get designers on to talk about, like you said, design principles, right. fonts, color, all that stuff. 
uh, other presentation designers. I'm hoping someday we can get Nancy on or or Gar. Uh, right. And wow, that's yeah. I hadn't thought of bringing people in that maybe a lawyer, um, right, or a photographer. You know. Yeah. Of course, we can talk about that because we do. But <laughs> that, that's a bit of a rat hole, but yeah. I mean, but there's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a there's there's a, a lot of overlap in terms of of just general design concepts. Definitely. Um, yeah. Now, one thing my wife and I were doing yesterday is we were poking around and. And I was looking at TalkShoe and what they did. Okay. And that's actually free. There is no paid program yet. That's one that MacCast. That's that's the podcast I couldn't remember. MacCast. That's um, you. Adam Christensen. Yeah. He okay. he actually uses he actually uses TalkShoe, records live, and then what he does is after he takes the recording that from that site brings it down and he adds the the chapters and the artwork and submits that to um, iTunes. So that may be if you want to go live at some point that that looks probably like a very cost effective and okay yeah especially if we've we've got guests they've got a little chat window and people seem to like that. I don't know. I just too much distraction for me. Yeah, I I can't imagine how Leo does it having oh man, the chat room open. Are you on yes. USB? Am I am I siloning? Yeah. Oh, really? That's a bummer. Yeah, I'm the mixer comes through USB. Okay. That's probably what it is. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean so yeah, I don't know how they do it. They've got this, the the chat going, and they're monitoring all that, and and they're on Twitter, and he's yeah. messing with all. The, oh man, I, I can't imagine. Yeah. So I don't I don't know that I want to have that uh, immediate right feedback. Um. Though my wife, was she her her podcast? There is a, a chat window, and at first for her. Um, it was quite difficult. It was just overwhelming. And she actually had me monitoring the chat for her. But then after a few weeks, she said, go, go, go. I can do it. Oh, really? And, and just struggled a little bit for a week or two. And then now it's just it's just automatic. She's able to pick up on comments and bring those into the show as, as though it's no big deal. So it's just one of those things, I guess, takes practice and just doing and getting used to it. Yeah, I think I think you. Okay, we'll try it. I think. Um, maybe maybe at some point if if you yeah, want to go long. Yeah, I think for now we'll we'll keep, we'll keep it. Uh, all because I do think that we're gonna need to edit as we at least as I get practice. Right. You know, I'd love to get your feedback as maybe as we end a show. Uh -huh. uh, you know, I listened to TWIP, but for a while I stopped because, well, I didn't have enough time. But I also kind of got annoyed with Frederick Van. There's things that he does that drive me nuts because he always has to give a nod to the sponsors. And I, uh -huh. okay, can you acknowledge them? Can you mention them? Can you something other than give a nod and then as i do kind of my own recordings and 
screencasts, I realize that I do similar things. So I'm totally open to feedback on how we can make it flow better on how to, you know, kind of host it better. Well, I think what we we're doing today, whether we've got guests or not, I think is the right um, recipe, if you will, a conversation. Yeah. Um, because if there's one thing that that got tedious after a while with photo focus with the strict interview format was that okay I, I I need a little I need this mixed up a little bit it's too much question answer question answer question right. answer and it just it gets tedious I think that works uh, for a very short format uh, yeah. Callie Lewis's, I don't remember what that was, but a friend of mine said he hated these conversation podcasts. He wanted the four minutes, you know, blast with the, the information and then done. Uh, right. But I enjoy the conversation. Uh, so, yeah, I think you're right. If it if it's really short, then okay, Q&A for five minutes is fine. But, yeah, allow they did freedom, on the- allow the rat holes for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Keeps now, it interesting. Think, as I... A few years ago, when I started thinking about podcasting, one of the recommendations was to break up the show with, I guess, jingles or um, a little bit of music. And I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know if you've heard any like that. Um, Where they'll, they I will have. literally say, and coming up next on the show, and then they play about 20 seconds of a, a little jingle, and they'll, and now we're back. But it's like, well, wait a minute. You're a podcast. You didn't go anywhere. And to me, that was awkward. I think it's how you do it. I mean, my my wife does it maybe about at the fifteen or twenty minute mark. Okay. Um. And it's really sometimes it's it's just a little bit of music. Sometimes it's you know if you want to learn more, go to this website kind of deal. And it's no more than maybe. 20, 30 seconds or something like that, but it gives her a chance to get a breather. Um, not only her, but also her guest. Yeah. So it, it done well. You know, it's just one of those things that can be done very poorly, done well, done well. I think it it can allow the, you know, the, you know it's, it's like the what what Medina was talking about in, in brain rules. You got to give them their brain a little swift kick to kickstart and back up again, or you just you've lost them. You don't want to. Right. That's a good point. I hadn't thought of it that way, but yeah. Um, something to bring the attention back. All right. Well, we're going too long. Yep. Yep. Uh, 